This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. My name is LaChina Robinson. I am your host of Around the Rim, your ESPNW women's basketball podcast. I am joined by our fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we are excited about this week's episode because we get to honor the life of the late, great Pat Summit. Um, this week is ESPN's We Back Pat Week, where there will be several games on the ESPN family of networks honoring the life of Pat Summit. And um, I know that Pat meant so much to so many of us and not just the game of basketball. You know, I think what Pat Summit stood for transcends sport um, and applies to so many areas of the world in terms of just how she cared for other people, how she grew the game, um, the young women that she coached who are now gone, who have now gone on to do amazing things in the world themselves. So, so many reasons for us to honor Pat and what she has done. And so we're excited to do that with our show. Just so you guys know, We Back Pat Week is, is there's a there's a ton of games. And so make sure you're checking. But I think a couple to, to note in general are Tamika Catchings is going to call a We Back Pat game. That's right. Catch is an analyst now. And that's uh, this Sunday, January 22nd, when – LSU plays at Texas A&M, and that's at 5 p.m., so that will be a fun one to watch. And then also Monday, January 23rd, there's a big Monday, another We Back Pat game with Mississippi State at number five, South Carolina. And Mississippi State's number four in the nation. Um, Kara Lawson will be joining that broadcast. We love Kara on the sideline. Isn't she fantastic? I mean, she could do it all, but it's been great to see her team up with Dave O'Brien and Doris Burke on that game. And we back Pat, we kicked off um, with a big, big Monday game where Tennessee took down a ranked Notre Dame team. Fighting Irish were number seven. And it was an amazing game to watch just because you felt the spirit of, of Pat Summit there. Candace Parker was there. Again, Kara Lawson was on a part of that broadcast. And it was really a, a, a exciting game, a fun game to watch. But, um, Congratulations to the Lady Vols on that. So this is our way of contributing um, around the rim podcast we have with us. And listen to this lineup. Tamika Catchings will join Kara Lawson. So we'll have the two of them. Um, and that will be in the second quarter of our show. We also have Kim Mulkey, who will be in the third quarter of our show. And we have... Diamond DeShields, who is a current player for the Lady Vols in the fourth quarter of our show. So we have a lot to get to, and we are going to jump right into the first quarter. First quarter. It's the first quarter, which means we are blowing the whistle. And I'm just going to go quickly to my clipboard because we want to get to these interviews. You are going to love hearing from Kara Lawson, Tamika Catchings, Kim Mulkey, and Diamond DeShield. So just to go down the list, make sure you stay up with ESPNW.com. Charlie Cream has updated its bracket. Mississippi State is now a number one seed. So lots of great conversation going on there. Is it Mississippi State? Should it be Maryland? So check that out. UConn is still undefeated, period, point blank. We're not even going <laughs> to – that's it. That's all you need to know. Um, teams 
Don't forget to submit your videos for the hand clap hoopla. Again, ESPNW.com. We want all women's basketball teams to participate. Um, it's a lot of fun, and there's a great video posted by our ESPN talent, um, producer Beth Chapel. So make sure you check that out. WNBA free agency has opened up and is going on. Lots of moving and shaking. Obviously, um, the big news there is Elena Deladon um, has maced it out this season. She has requested a trade, so if she does not get that, uh, it could be some an interesting season for the Chicago Sky. And then the McDonald's All-Americans team has been announced. So congratulations to all the girls' high school players that are part of that team. Last but not least, we want to say congratulations to Maryland's Brianna Jones, who is this week's ESPNW Player of the Week. She had 42 points, tying a Maryland school record, and, and has hit the 1,000 rebound mark. An outstanding player, and of course... I got to show my post player some love because that's what I do. And with that, we are headed into the second quarter. Second quarter, inside the huddle. We are going inside the huddle. And before we start our interview with Kara Lawson and Tamika Catchings, I just want to say that these are two people who have had a profound impact on my life. Uh, Kara, since we were young, we've known each other since we were teenagers, grew up in the same city, uh, played each, against each other in in the same district in high school. And, and I've always looked up to Carrie, even though she's younger than I am. She's an outstanding analyst, um, a very disciplined person, has just elevated the profile of women's basketball so much um, in everything that she has done for ESPN, um, you know, with even with Nike basketball. I mean, she's everywhere and have a ton of respect for who she is as a person and how she's carried herself in our sport. And then obviously the great Tamika Catchings, who just retired from the WNBA this past year, uh, the most humble superstar you will meet. Um, Just a woman who is of her word, who played with so much heart. I mean, if there was one characteristic, it would be hard. When you watch Tamika play, you know, she never gave up on a play. She didn't care if it was an all-star game, practice, shoot around. She's going all out. So two exceptional guests as we um, extend our conversation about Pat Summit's legacy and everything she meant to the game and, and really to the world. And joining us right now, we have Kara Lawson. Welcome, Kara, to the show. Thank you. And then we also have with us Tamika Catchings, new member of the ESPN family, SEC Network, basketball analyst. Congratulations, Tamika. Thank you, China. Well, welcome to the family. What's it been like so far in the TV world? You know, Karen and I have a little taste, so we, we know how the start <laughs> off is, right? What's it been like? It's been fun, um, you know, and thanks to both of you guys, actually. Kara was actually the first one that I called um, when they uh, presented the, the job to me and asked me if it was something that I wanted to do. And uh, so it was kind of funny talking to Kara because I was like, I don't think I'm going to be good at it. And um, just all the positive encouragement that she gave me and then, of course, doing my first game with you. So it's been a journey, and every game I'm learning. Um, watching, I've watched probably more tape in the last couple of weeks than I did my whole career, but it's fine. I, I <laughs> Might be exaggerating a little bit, but um, it's been fun. You know, I've I've learned a lot, and I've gotten to listen to a lot more, um, watch a lot more games, and just listen to different commentating styles. Has been fun too. Kara, so you got to tell us when you heard catch. What were your thoughts? Well, I, I was just uh, excited that she was going to be involved. 
in the in the women's game from this from this angle. Those of us that are, are fortunate enough to know catch, uh, know how uh, intelligent of a basketball player and basketball mind that she is, uh, know how sincere and genuine she is about loving the game and wanting to watch and and see other players uh, excel and reach their potential. So I couldn't think of a, a better person to be involved in our game to help promote our game because um, catch is, is everything that's good about the sport, right? Everything that's good about the sport of women's basketball. So when she called me, I was surprised that she was actually considering it, to be honest with you, because um, I know I know that it would be a step out of her comfort zone a little bit um, mm-hmm. to to kind of be to be talking about the the game and to be on television uh, in 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 that role, right, yeah. uh, of of an analyst. But uh, think about all of the varied experiences that she has uh, as a player and all of the uh, locker rooms and all of the big games that she's been in, there's very few people on the planet that can bring that type of currency to, to the broadcast table. And so to me, it was uh, a no-brainer because I, 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 would, I do want to know what she thinks about teams and players and um, situations uh, that happen in a game. Uh, to me, that, that, that's fascinating. And I know her, and I get to talk, to her. I get to talk with her about all those things. <laughs> But I think everybody else would would be uh, would want to know her thoughts on on different teams and different players. Yeah, I mean, in working with her, there were things that she could see happening on the court, and I'm like, how did you see that? You know, it took me a replay to yeah. go back and look at it, but her observations are definitely sharp. But I thought your comment about her stepping outside of her comfort zone is is a great transition into our conversation about Pat Summit because I remember Tamika telling me on several occasions how Pat used to encourage her to step outside of her comfort zone. And one thing, you know, we've talked to a lot of people on this, on the around the room about their lessons and what they learned from Pat and just their memories. And one thing that stands out to me was the side of Pat that I didn't get to see, you know, like those of us who didn't know her as intimately, we know the icy blue stare and we know the demanding coach and we know her big heart for her players. But I would start out asking each of you, is there a side of Pat or things about her personality that um, those of us who weren't as close to the program would not know or any memories that may reflect that? I'll just say from, for myself, um, you know, when you make the decision to leave home and you're going to a school no matter where you're going, and for me going to University of Tennessee, for both of us going to University of Tennessee, you're, you're, you have that fear and, you know, you talk about going outside your comfort zone. But I was, in, I was in eighth grade the first time I saw Pat, and I was mesmerized by this lady that I saw that was, you know, just all everything in my eyes as I watched the game and I watched her stomp, stomp up and down the floor and, you know, the way she was yelling at her team and all that. But, it, like, there was something about that that, like, pulled me. Like, man, if, I'm, if I ever get good enough to – have an opportunity to play for this lady it would be just absolutely amazing and then you know you fast forward and you get the opportunity you go through the whole recruiting process and you talk to a lot of coaches and you know, left and right you're going on college visits you're doing all that but I think for me um, when I think about the things that that you don't see um, it's just the time you know she took time 
for each and every single one of her players. She wanted each of us to be successful in our own realm. It wasn't like comparing Kara to, you know, me to Kara or Kara to Snow or me to Shamiqua or KJ or any or anybody else. It was like she took the time with each one of us to make sure that she instilled in us kind of that confidence. Um, and, you know, when I look at myself now and where I was then, even the step that she took with me with my hearing aids and, and being able to step out and talk about, hey, you know, I have a hearing problem, but even though I have that, you know, there was a lot of young girls that, young girls and boys that would look at me as a role model and look at me like, okay, I have, I have the same issues she has or, you know, I'm going through the same thing she's gone through, but look at where she's at. And she really saw my future for me before I saw it. And so it's kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of cool to be a part of her legacy and, you know, will, will forever be a part of her legacy. Kara? Yeah, I mean, she she wanted, she honed in on areas that, you know, needed some smoothing out in each of us. And, you know, like Ketch said, it, it was different things for for each player. Uh, for me, I didn't I didn't like to talk off the court. Uh, you know, catch and co-sign on this. I mean, very few people that probably know this about me because this is probably, you know, five or six people, seven people that were upperclassmen when I was a, a young player. I never really had a problem talking on the court. That That came pretty, you know, easy for me, but off the court, I just really wasn't much interested in having conversations with people. It just wasn't something that I, that I did. I liked to study and, and, you know, watch, watch sports. That's pretty much what I did. And, uh, I thought that that was enough because I'm performing in every aspect. I'm performing on the court. I'm performing in school. And Pat was like, no, you, you've, you've got to do more, you know? And so, she would make me give presentations in front of those guys, in front of the team, like stand up and give a presentation, which was terrible. Uh, so nervous. Um, she actually changed my academic schedule where I had to take a public speaking course. And um, then she would take me with her on speaking engagements, and I would have to introduce her, you know, at like a rotary club or, uh, you know, different things uh, just to – get me more comfortable with doing that and it didn't have anything to do with the basketball piece uh it didn't have anything to do with um what i would what job i would do i mean i don't think she knew i'd be on television necessarily but she knew that i needed to know how to communicate with people and i had to be comfortable with standing up in front of people and and speaking and uh you know that that was a long process for me because it it wasn't it didn't come natural at all so it is uh it is ironic that what i do for a living now (laughs) is speaking right that's what i do i mean that's, that's basically my job is to talk in front of people which uh, when you know, when I first got to Tennessee, I don't think anyone would think that that's what I would I would be doing. I don't know, Catch. Do you think? Did you think that's what I would do? <laughs> Definitely not. And so when you yeah. know, we've heard so Kara doing, but but I will say this: I loomed with Kara one of the first her first road trip freshman year, her freshman year, and literally we watched ESPN the whole time. 
<laughs> it was like the running. It was the running joke when we came back. So it was like she watches every sport and she watches ESPN like over and over and over again. So we would all laugh and joke about you know who's gonna be her roommate, who's gonna watch ESPN all time. Yeah, we uh, we had a conversation with uh, Kyra Elsie and Nia Butts actually when we were at Kentucky, and um, all three of them, including Tamika, co-signed that all if you wanted to watch a movie. Don't room with Carol, Carol Lawson because oh, she's gonna be watching. Yeah. She's gonna. No lifetime movies. That was Tyra, lifetime movies. Good lord. That's so awesome. Okay. So in, in thinking about, you know, how Pat encouraged both of you, it sounds like to use your voice, you know, that's something that. We hear a lot in today's world when it comes to young women, you know, you know, are they using their voice? Are they speaking up? And I, and I honestly feel like that's why so many people were intrigued by Pat Summit because she spoke honestly, authentically. Um, if you had to cue in on maybe one thing that Pat taught you that um, you would give as advice to another young woman on how to either find their voice or use their voice, what would that piece of advice on how to do what you guys have done? Um, how, how would you encourage them to do that? You know, Pat always loved players. I think she recruited players that had a great deal of self-belief, right? You know, we had, you, you had to have a lot of confidence, self-confidence to play for Pat because it wasn't easy. So even though she was helping you and she was yelling at you and she was doing all these things, you had to have a little element of just stubbornness a bit because you had to know that even though she was getting on you, you still had to believe that you were good, that you were good enough, right, to do it and mm-hmm. to overcome all that. So I think that's a piece of it in terms of, like, being confident in, in yourself and in your abilities. I think mm-hmm. that, that goes for whatever you want to do. And then the other piece to Pat that made her – so special was it's very simple just being kind you know mm-hmm. pat was so kind like if you're if you're around her or you had interaction with her i think what most people would walk away from that would be her kindness and mm-hmm. how that was not really not really ever lost in um uh, you know in a space in an environment where being competitive and being the best and being confident and playing to win. I mean, she did all of those things at the highest level, but she never, she never, um, you know, settled for um, just just going through the motions. She never settled for doing th- doing something, you know, not a hundred percent right. She was always mm-hmm. kind in how she interacted with everybody. And it, it's hard to find somebody that didn't have a positive interaction with Pat, whether it's you know, at the airport or calling their game, um, you know, whatever it was, uh, Pat was always kind. And so I try to, that's something I try to remember and try to, to work on because um, you can be all those things and still be a, a, a really good person. And um, that's why I think people within the sport and people that didn't even know her hold her up to such a, to such a high standard because she was so kind to, to everybody in the sport. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, um, uh, Kara, because I've shared, and sorry to me, I don't want to cut you off. I've shared this story before, but, um, you know, my first time working a Lady Vol game, Pat gave me a homemade jar of of strawberry jam. And I was like, it was just me and her in the gym. I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, I'm in here by myself (laughs) with Pat Summit. I was like, 
I need someone to walk in here right now. Like, I can't be in here alone with her. And she said, hey, come here. And I walked over, and she gave me a homemade jar of strawberry jam that I still have, and I will never throw away. And I will never, I mean, if anyone even breathes on it, I have a problem. But I couldn't believe that here I am, this little nobody, and she had a gift for me. So that kindness I have definitely seen. Tamika, I'm sorry. Go ahead with your point. No, I mean, I was going to piggyback off of Kara, and you know, probably the biggest thing, too, was her humbleness. Um, yeah. You know, I just think of countless times, and you kind of touched on it earlier, trying to just how from the outside looking in and people just looking at her, it's just like, oh, my gosh, like there's this, you know, place, like I can't be with her by myself. I can't imagine what it would be like to even talk to her and, you know, just be around her. But I love the fact, like, her humbleness. And mm-hmm. Kara touched on just everybody that came in contact with her. She was so nice to them. Even being and having all the success that she had and being the person she was, like people, it, it never was, like it was always such a, I mean, her stare on the court was one thing, but then off the court, just like her general, like her, her generosity and just like her general, like being a person, you know, she was just humble in every single thing that she did. And Tamika, we're gonna we're gonna let you go because I know you've got a flight. Thank you so much for doing this. I have one more question for you, and fans. Thanks, Tamika, double time because she's in the airport and, and jumped on the show with us. So thank you so much. But I want to ask you this one last question, Catch, and then you can go and we can finish up with Kara. Um, you know, one day when you have your own family, obviously you're married and you'll have your own family one day with children and such. I know you've expressed the interest in doing so. What will you? What will be the legacy? that you will you will tell your kids about when it comes to Pat? Like, if there was one area, you know, I know she's so many things, but if there was one thing you would want, you know, your your children or, or whoever to know who, who didn't know Pat Summit, what would be that one thing that you would want them to know about her? Wow. Um, well, I think just through my journey and, you know, being able to kind of relive, the moment that we have with Pat, but just, I think ultimately, like how I want to raise my kids and, you know, just, I talk a little, I talk about the humbleness, but you know, that's something that is so lost right now within, within our kids. I mean, it's all about selfies and it's all about praise me and look at me and this is who I am. And, you know, you kind of put yourself on a pedestal. And I think for me, the one thing that I would talk about is I would, you know, talk about Pat and just all the accomplishments that she had and just the type of person she was and, you know, everything that she was able to accomplish in her life, not only her individually, but even for us as products of her legacy, you know, what we've we've been able to accomplish. And so I think for me, I would talk about that. But then ultimately I would talk about the humbleness, going back to that word. You know, I would talk about just how we will carry ourselves and how we will, you know, be a positive impact in the world mm-hmm. and not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, that individual praise me part. It'll be, you know, one one thing that I would always express is just, you know, being a great product and a great person in this world. And you have definitely been that catch in everything that you do. That's humble is one of the first words I think that comes to mind whenever I'm talking to anyone about Tamika Catchings. But thank you so much for your time and for joining us. And when's your next um, game? When's your next? When can we watch you again? <laughs> On Sunday, I'm doing the uh, Texas A&M LSU game. All right, we'll be tuned in, fans. Make sure you catch Tamika Catchings and all her wonderful insight. Thank you again, catch safe travels, and uh, we appreciate you joining the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
Kara, thank you so much for hanging on. We wanted to ask just a couple more questions from you as we continue our having a conversation about where things are now. I know that, Kara, you are a member of the Pat Summit Foundation Advisory Board. Can you just give us some insight into the Pat Summit Foundation, um, you know, kind of how fans can continue to support it and the new Pat Summit Clinic that's open um, at UT's medical center that everyone's so excited about. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was a, it was a, just a, a really great day uh, this past Sunday to be there for the opening of the Pat Summit Alzheimer's Clinic. Because if you can remember uh, back initially when Pat was diagnosed, uh, you know, her goal was to help create uh, a better life for people that were diagnosed with Alzheimer's and their mm-hmm. families. And so this clinic opening is uh, kind of coming full circle with that initial goal of Pat um, in starting the Pat Summit Foundation. And um, unfortunately, she she wasn't able to see the 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 clinic uh, realized herself. But it is going to serve three thousand uh, people uh, wow. that are uh, afflicted with the Alzheimer's. Uh, disease and 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 not only that, La China. Uh, within the next two to three years, three thousand more people will be able to uh, be be serviced in that clinic. That's six thousand people, and we're just talking wow. East Tennessee. You know, we're just talking East Tennessee, which, from a population standpoint, is a small area, right, of the country. It's mm-hmm. not a major metropolitan area. Uh, so the Alzheimer's um, you know, epidemic is, is here in our country. Uh, more and more people are being diagnosed at earlier ages. And uh, it's, it's, it's a problem. And anybody that has known somebody that has gone through the disease, it, it's devastating. Um, not just losing your loved ones, but watching the decline. Um, it's, it's just a hard thing. So uh, at the, it's obviously being We Back Pat Week. Um, you know, fundraising uh, for the Pat Summit Foundation. Uh, it's a great opportunity this week to be able to do that, to help, uh, you know, the mission of, of the foundation, which is to uh, try and, and find a cure for Alzheimer's. And that is also a big part of the clinic is the research part of it, mm-hmm. being able to have these patients and, and to be able to, to do uh, a lot of research to try and, and help them uh, as much as, as much as we can. So, uh, it, it's really cool. If you get a chance to, to go, go through Knoxville at any point uh, this, this season, I, I, I would encourage you to go over there and, and, um, and check out the clinic because it, is, um, it has been just really well done in terms of everything being catered to uh, the patients there, for everything down from the colors to the lighting to wow. the carpet, the patterns on the chairs. Uh, to the rooms and the chair heights within the rooms, um, everything to help um, make, you know, the patient be at, at ease and, and, and um, you know, feel comfortable uh, when, they, when they go to the doctor. So, yeah, whatever, whatever people can do to help because there's, there's, uh, there's so many patients that need to be, that need to be seen um, and that need treatment and that need uh, help in trying to, to slow down the progression um, of the disease if they're already afflicted with it. 
Yeah, incredible, incredible work um, that has been done. I was looking at some pictures, and you're right. I mean, everything looks fantastic from, you know, just the logo, the lettering, the coloring. It's just top notch. And I, I had a chance to talk to Michelle Marciniak this summer about it, so she was giving me a heads up, but not until I actually saw some of the photos. I see exactly what you're talking about. So I'm definitely hoping to get a, a chance to visit. And fans, you can go to patsummit.org um, to see all the ways to get involved. We've got We Back Pat Games this week. Um, the SEC Challenge initiated by Kyra Elsey and her husband, Dexter. Um, lots of events, so many ways that you can get involved and, and support the Pat Summit Foundation. And, Kara, before I let you go, um, I'm much like Tamika in that I, I watch you in everything I do. I mean, your, your basketball knowledge is, is top notch, second to none. And so I, I'm curious, and I want to ask you a question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to put yourself in, in the eyes or the shoes of, of Pat Summit. Where – and if would Pat say women's basketball still needs to go? And what I mean by that is I remember being a young woman watching her on television say, we need more women's basketball games on television, not Tennessee Lady Vol games, not our games, not SEC, but we need women's basketball on television. And that's something I remember when I think about why I am where I am in my career. Pat Summit thought it was important, and she said it with enough passion and conviction. You know, when I saw that, which was later on after it was initially recorded, I said, wow, I'm in the right place because she's right, and we need great coverage for the game. Where would she say this, the game would still need to grow? Were there things that she talked about in your time with her that basketball fans, you know, any knowledge or, or thoughts that you think sh- they may enjoy from Pat about the game? Well, Pat was always pushing for the game. Um, you know, you, you're, you saw some of it. She was always always pushing to try and, and um, get it into a bigger audience and get more people paying attention to it, get more people taking it seriously. And that's what the sport needs is people that are going to, to, to fight for it and, and to push for it. You know, I can remember being in uh, different meetings uh, where Pat would, uh, not team meetings, like different um like athletics board meetings and things like that. I was a student representative for, for some of them and Pat, uh, you know, pushing the athletics board and pushing the athletic director and pushing, uh, the donors and pushing the other coaches, um, just the, the accountability that she forced everyone to have to, um, make it a priority to make it a priority, to not have it be an afterthought or not have it be the, the, um, the leveler on the other side of the Title IX, um, you know, law to say, okay, well, we'll put these over here because we have to, right? No, it's, it's, it's important. Um, let's treat it as such. Let's treat it professionally because being, being great in women's sports, it's an institutional commitment. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, it's it's an institutional commitment. And when I say that, what I mean by that is it's the chancellor, the president of the university, the athletic director, the male, the coaches of men's sports. It's an institutional commitment to say we're going to be an elite women's sports program. It's going to be something that our our institution 
is known for. It's going to be something that we are leaders and we're pushing. It's going to be something that, um, you know, we is a priority for us. And I think that is what um, Pat did for the sport is to help make it a priority on, in so many athletic departments to say that this is, this is going to be important. This is something we're going to do. We're going to, to put a, a lot of investment behind it. And um, that's what I think as a sport of women's, of women's basketball, uh, those of us involved in the college game need to continue to push and to do that. And obviously we all have different roles to play. Uh, you and I aren't necessarily going to go to a chancellor and push. Um, but in terms of what we do for uh, ESPN and pushing to um, get different things um, on, on our shows and um, to get different people talking about it and pushing ideas and, and trying to, um, you know, create different highlights or create different, uh, you know, you doing a podcast. There, there's so many ways we all can, can help promote what is already a great product. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, you know, showcasing it the, the best possible way. And that's why kind of going back full circle to what we talked about in the beginning with, with Tamika being involved on the TV side now. Uh, that's why when she called me, that was, that was the, the viewpoint that I was looking. That's the lens I was looking at through is we're, we're a better sport if Tamika Catchings is involved, right? I mean, I, I think anyone that's, in, that's involved in would agree, would agree with that. And so, um, we're a better sport if she's involved and, uh, and her, her insight and her input, um, you never know what that could inspire a player getting a chance to meet her for the first time, uh, her getting a chance to maybe talk to, talk to a team when she's out of practice or out of shoot around. Uh, all, all of those things are, are, are positive and it's a, it's a family. I mean, basketball is a family, but women's basketball is, is, is its own is its own family own subset within the greater sport of basketball and um, you know I think we all have enough within our family to make this successful and continue to grow it but we all have to utilize um, all the talents that we've been given to be able to do that and so um, that's you know that's why we do I know that's why that's why you do what you do uh, in terms of promoting the sport and um, trying to showcase some of the top top talents and, and give these teams and these women um, their due, which is great publicity and, and a chance to, to um, you know, fight, fight for these championships. And it's why I enjoy covering the sport as well, because um, it's, I mean, it doesn't get any better than big games and, and watching top teams go at it uh, each night. And that's something that um, I don't think I'll ever get tired of doing. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, raising the bar is something that Pat did consistently. And it's something that we can do within the women's basketball community, no matter what aspect, you know, we work in, like you said, us in with ESPN or, um, you know, if you work women's basketball marketing, just pushing, everyone pushing a little bit more for the sport. I think that's a great point. And I think it applies to people in life. You know, you hear so many 
fans and, and not even Lady Vol fans, just basketball fans and fans of Pat Summit. Like she had people, I, I hear people all the time say, I didn't watch basketball, but I loved Pat Summit. But even in your life, whatever you're doing out there, you can always raise the bar. And that's something that Pat did for the game. It's something that she did for women. Um, and she wasn't afraid to go to bat for whatever it was she believed in. So just, again, using our voices. And, Kara, I just want to thank you for your time. You know, uh, having you and Tamika on the show, I can tell you, when I went to Pat Summit's life celebration, the one thing that just blew me away was all the players that had played for her and seeing you guys in, in numbers and, and thinking about each of you and how your personalities really reflect everything that Pat stood for. I mean, her relentless work ethic, her, her humility, um, that kind spirit. So, you know, it, it just, it makes me smile to hear you guys talk about the impact she had on your life and for us to talk about how everyone can continue to carry on her legacy. So thank you so much, Kara, for your time and everything you're doing um, on the advisory board for the Pat Summit Foundation. And um, hopefully everyone will join the fight because we need everyone um, to really, really honor Pat and her legacy the way that we can. So thank you. We appreciate you coming on the show, Kara. <laughs> I, I, I am uh, I am thankful to, to have joined with, uh, with two of you and a lot of people might not know, but LaChina and I go way back. <laughs> yes. Uh, when we were in high school, we've known each other many years. And uh, so it's, uh, it's always good to, to visit with you. It is. You know, we have to represent for Alexandria, Virginia. And, you know, you're That's West Springfield right. and I'm T.C. Williams. But, you know, and, and hey, we're what not going to talk about we're not going to talk about the outcome of any of those games we played against no. each other. So no. we don't have to talk no. about that. Kara won the ball. No. I can I can tell you guys that. But no, thank you for no. just your friendship and everything you've done for the game. And um, we're going to have you back on the show because we want to talk basketball with you this season. So hopefully you'll come back on and join us um, another time absolutely whenever you guys need need me i'm here thanks kara all right bye-bye hey fans stay right where you are after the break we will have the head coach of the number two team in the nation the baylor lady bears as well as tennessee guard diamond DeShields joining the show so stay right where you are third quarter scouting report we want to thank again Tamika Catchings and Kara Lawson for joining the show. And now we have with us Kim Mulkey. And before we get to her interview, I just want to apologize in advance. We did have some issues with sound. Um, so my voice is not very clear. Again, we apologize. Things happen. So um, some technical difficulties. But what I love about Kim Mulkey is just that she will speak her mind. You know, And when we talk about the legacy of Pat Summit. You hear those that were close to Pat and even in watching her, she said exactly how she felt and she didn't mix words. Um, you know, she was transparent, authentic, spoke with a lot of passion. And Kim Mulkey exemplifies a lot of those qualities. And she had a relationship with Pat, which she will talk about in our interview. But I just think it was so fitting to have Kim on, not just to talk about her relationship with Pat, but just so fans 
can um, get some insight into Kim Mulkey and who she is as a coach, as a mother, and, and about the Baylor Lady Bears. So without further delay, Kim Mulkey. Well, fans, we have heard your request, and we are visiting the Big 12 Conference this week. That's right. We are fortunate to have with us the head coach of the number two team in the nation, the Baylor Lady Bears, Coach Kim Mulkey. Welcome to the show, Coach. Well, thank you guys for having me. Well, let's start there with this team you have this season. I mean, I'm looking at the scores from conference play, and you guys are blowing teams out. I mean, a ranked West Virginia team, you beat 91 to 56. Kansas has been a team that's been in the top 25 this this year, 87 to 57. I mean, what's what's working for your team right now? Well, we're we're just very uh, we've got a lot of depth. Uh, we've got about 10 or 11 kids that honestly could start and play at any time in our program and in a lot of programs across the country. I'm privileged to coach a bunch of unselfish ladies who um, just want to win. And, um, you know, we, we can throw lots of bigs at you in the paint, but we can also throw guards at you. And uh, it's uh, a pleasure to coach them. They've improved from the very beginning of the season. For now, and uh, most most impressed with our field goal percentage defense, and uh, we lead the country in that area, and that impresses me more than how much we're beating opponents, Bob, because that means we're guarding you, and, and it's important to, to our program. Yeah, you definitely are not lacking for talent. You mentioned the depth on your team. Of course, we know about Nina Davis. We know about Alexis Jones. Uh, you know, but you've got a lot of wonderful pieces. Christy Wallace is one of the toughest players you'll see play the game. But we're in a time in basketball where a lot of teams are playing small ball and going small in the post. But you have Kalani Brown at, at 6'7 and can have her on the court with Beatrice Mont Premier at 6'4. What made you really want to go big, Coach Mulkey, at this point? Well, I'm just old school. I believe championships are won in the half court. And certainly we uh, like to run, and you better stop our transition. Uh, and we're going to continue to run. But when you get against opponents that are as equal or better than you, uh, they're going to stop those transition baskets, and they're going to make you defend in the paint. They're going to bang with you. And, um, you know, the post player makes everybody else around them better because of all the attention they receive. And uh, we were just fortunate uh, to be able to recruit big, um, and they all wanted to play together. And they all get enough minutes to uh, to contribute to victories. And um, I just can't tell you enough about the importance of, of our five post players. Well, looking at your record, it's, it's pretty much spotless with the exception of, of one loss to Connecticut. And obviously that's a team that's won 90 in a row at this point. It, it, what did you learn about your team in that one game that you think, you know, hey, if you meet UConn or anyone else down the line for a championship, what, what will you have to do different? Well, we're a better team today than we were then, and I'm certain that Connecticut feels the same way. I felt that uh, we were um, – Pretty darn good till about the fourth quarter, and then uh, we had turnovers um, and didn't handle the. I don't know if he call it a three-two zone, but he changed from man and went to a three-two and kind of matched up a little bit with our baseline runner. Uh, we learned how good we are, and we also learned how bad we are. 
And I think that toughness comes to mind when the game was tied in the fourth quarter. The tougher team prevailed. They went and got rebounds. They went and got steals. They had deflections. And uh, I just thought that the tougher team won that night. And and in that same vein, Coach, I'd love to get your opinion on this conversation. You know what it's like to go perfect. Obviously, right now, UConn is, is perfect. What you hear people say that there is an elite group, including yourself and UConn and Maryland, Notre Dame, that are just so far ahead of the rest of women's basketball. Is that what you see happening? Is there more parity in your opinion? And what has to happen to close the gap between those top teams and everyone else? I think people who say that are current and new fans of the game. If you go back to when I played. Guys, you want to talk about not having parity. Uh, back in the early 80s, Louisiana Tech was the dominant team. And, uh, you know, before that, you had Old Dominion, Immaculata, the list goes on. You do have more parity now for those of us who can go way back. Uh, you have more television coverage. Uh, you have the big-time players choosing schools other than the same school uh, that got all the talent back in the day. Um, you know, I, I just know that if you're a new fan, you, it, it seems to be um, UConn, 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 and it has been. And I don't think that that's bad for women's basketball. As I tell everybody, uh, there are a lot of teams to the history of our game that have had those runs, and it won't last forever. Uh, but enjoy it while it does, and everybody else needs to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think we're seeing much more parity. I mean, looking even at the Pac-12 having teams in the Final Four last year, neither one of them were Sanford. I think that speaks a lot for where the game has evolved. Now let's talk about Coach Moki for a second. You are one of the more interesting personalities in all of women's basketball, not just college women's basketball, but WNBA across the board. I love to watch you coach. As you know, I'm a big fan of what you do. And you're, you're a fiery personality. Where would you say that originates? Where does that fire really come from? Well, I think it's who you are. I think that, uh, you know, when you're born, you have a, a personality, and then those that you are surrounded by as you're growing up influence you. Uh, but it, you still have to be who you are. And I was influenced um, in my coaching, obviously, by those that I played for. They don't get any more intense than Pat Summit when I played for her in the 84 Olympics. They don't get any more intense than Leon Barmore, who coached me at Louisiana Tech. And I just played intense. I um, just think that nothing great in life is ever achieved without enthusiasm. And I'm passionate. I'm enthusiastic. I'm a fighter. Um, You just, you know, I never was motivated by passive coaches. I never played passive. And if I'm going to ask these kids to to play hard and to give me everything they have, I am in turn going to give them everything I have. If that's getting on a referee, um, if that's pumping my fist, um, you know, certainly as you age, you don't do it as much because physically you're probably not able to. But <laughs> yeah. I, I just enjoy what I do. And, and you know the sad part about it, LaChon, is people tend to gather opinions about you from the sideline and they don't even know you. And that's mm. what is so funny because people think, oh, she's wound tight. 
or oh she's mean or oh yeah and they don't even know you but the truth yeah. is they would love playing in this program because we're all fired up and we bring out the best in everybody every day and you fight for your kids and uh uh i just i don't know it just makes me feel like i'm contributing to the game when i'm intense and passionate you are definitely contributing to the game. I mean, I always say that when you are coaching, it is must-see TV because I appreciate that passion and that enthusiasm, and I know a lot of people do. So those two or three people that don't are reading into it, we're not going to worry about them. So <laughs> in another conversation uh, that comes up often, and I know you and I have talked about this before, whenever you're coaching, everyone wants to see what you're going to wear. I mean, you know oh, that, right? <laughs> you know, you know that everyone too. They want to see what Kim Mulkey is going to have on the sideline. So, tell us about the outfits. What was well, the secret? Let me back up and, and tell tell you a little bit too. If you came to work every day and you saw me, I wear no makeup. In the summer, I'm in shorts, and in the winter during the season, I'm in warmups. But I feel like in order to be a uh, professional when I'm at work uh, in the, you know, the TV and the camera and the lights are on. I want to represent my kids. I want to represent my coaches and I want to represent my university in a classy manner. I have always liked nice clothes. I can go back to when I was a child and I look forward every August to going uh, shopping with my mother for school clothes because I always wanted to be, uh, neat. I always wanted to, to wear nice clothes, and that's not something that just happened because of basketball. I just enjoy when it's time to dress up to wear nice clothes. Now, through the years, I've gotten where I hate to shop, but I have mm-hmm. assistant coaches and I have friends who love to shop, and when they see something, they'll pick it up for me, and I'll, of course, pay for it, but that's the story behind outfits. Uh, it's <laughs> not something you plan. It's just something, hey, we saw this, we put it on your bed, came by the house and left it. You owe me this much money. And that's, that's how basically my wardrobe um, happens. Um, how do you wear high heels? I think that's a subconscious thing that when you're short, like I am five, four and a half, um, you want to be tall. Isn't that funny? And tall girls want to <laughs> be short. And um, I just always wanted to, um, you know, I, I just feel more comfortable with heels on and I don't have any problem running in heels, squatting in heels, walking in heels. It's just very comfortable. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm 64, and I love me some heels, too. So I, I'm with you with that. I just like the way they look. They make my calf muscles look a little bit bigger than they might on a regular basis. <laughs> so I, I am totally okay with the heels. I just think it's fantastic that if your friend picks out a gold jacket, you don't wear that gold jacket. You you trust your friends enough. Whatever it is they put, I love that. Because, see, my friends don't pick out good things for me. See, I have to do my own shopping because they pick out stuff, and I'm like, uh-uh. But your clothes fit your personality. Well, and they're the ones that pick it out. I'm not into all the modern makeup and the clothes and all that. I have to rely on people that know it more than I do. Heck, Honestly, if our profession ever reached the point where we're all wearing warm-ups on the sideline, I would be all for it uh, because I just don't invest that much time in shopping, but I always want to look nice when I do dress up. And they just they do. They just say, hey, we brought these clothes in the house. Look at them, see what you like, and uh, that's kind of how I shop. 
Well, I'll be honest with you. When I saw you, and I, I don't know what what Kim Oki does in the summertime. But she looked like she's drinking from the fountain of youth because you looked fantastic. Your new hair and everything else I thought was fabulous. So, hey, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. I said, well, I guess you could say we all want to be like a fine wine. We get better with age. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Now, I have one more thing about before we, we let you go. Number one, I just wanted to say congratulations to you, of course, um, as you are a candidate for the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. But um, one thing is this this episode is, is going to run during We Back Pat Week. And I know you mentioned Pat Summit, and you remind me a lot of her in your in your fiery ways and your passion and your enthusiasm for the game and, and how you treat your players like family. But I wanted to see if you would be willing to share just one memory of Pat Summit uh, with our listeners. Well, there's too many to just choose one, but since you're making me choose one, it's probably <laughs> not basketball-related. We all know what she's done for a lot of people um, on the basketball floor, myself included. But I remember when I was an assistant coach at Louisiana Tech and I was pregnant with Mackenzie, my first child, and I was very emotional, wasn't sure how I could continue uh, being a coach and being a mother, um, and didn't really have many people in the profession that I could turn to that had had children. And uh, Pat had had Tyler a year before. She kept coaching, and so we were playing uh, Tennessee. They came to Louisiana Tech, and I cornered her away before her practice. And she could tell I was an emotional wreck. And she spent about 10 minutes with me on making me understand that, yes, you can do this. And this is what I did. And you can afford and do this and get you some help and still be uh, a mother first. And uh, just her calming me down at that moment is something that I will never forget. Uh, The Mm -hmm. second thing that I won't ever forget is I went through a divorce many years before she did. And late one night, I got a phone call from her, and she was telling me she was going through a divorce, and she asked my advice on some things. And those are the two things that that I remember. Of course, I have a ton of basketball memories, but just those two things as a mother, a wife uh, first, and um, won't ever forget them. Wow. Well, you have been an awesome mom as I've been able to to watch you from afar with Kizzy and Kramer. And um, wow, Pat Summit, I've heard actually Candace Parker talk a lot about watching her as a mom to Tyler and what Candace has done with Layla. That's such an important aspect, especially, you know, women in a profession where you're spending a lot of hours of work, how to balance it and seeing a woman in her position have success doing both, I'm sure it was very inspirational to you. So thank you for, for sharing that and we all definitely miss Pat. And that's it. That wasn't bad at all, was it, Coach Mulkey? Well, thank you so much for your time. And I hope to, I, I, I don't have any Baylor games on my schedule, but I'm hoping that I run into you at the NCAA tournament and we get to spend some time. I always appreciate you. Okay, baby. Y'all take care. Okay. Now. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. 
We want to thank Baylor head coach Kim Mulkey for her time. And now we have with us Diamond DeShields joining the show. And this interview was actually recorded in November. So um, we will allow Diamond some cushion on anything that she said in this interview. If she's changed her mind about anything, whatever. But there's still so much great information about Diamond, who she is, how she got to where she is, kind of her thoughts around various things, and then what Pat meant to her as well. So we get the the current student-athlete perspective, which I think is so unique. And anyone that's ever watched Diamond play, I mean, talk about a fantastic talent, her athleticism. She's just, wow. She is one of those players that gets you excited about the future of women's basketball. So without further delay, here is Diamond DeShields. We have a very special guest with us from the University of Tennessee, Lady Vols, Diamond DeShields. Welcome, Diamond. What's going on? Nothing much. We're excited to have you here. You are like, Diamond is an appropriate name for you right now because you're like that rare jewel coming into this season for NCAA women's basketball that everybody wants to know and see and watch and is excited about. So let's just start with your summer. Okay. Anything exciting on off the court? What was the highlight for you? Um, highlight for me was going to spend time with my brother out in Dallas. I hadn't got a chance to see him play. So uh, I always enjoy seeing him play baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just one of the joys of my life. So being able to go out to Dallas and have that time with him, see him play, uh, was special for me this summer. And it's Delino, right? Yes. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay, good. I want to make sure I got that right. Lino. This what it's oh, Lino. Lino. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a junior. Your dad also played in uh, right. the in Major League Baseball. Right. So what did that do for you in terms of the foundation of your athletic career as having, you know, you're both your dad and your brother, and I know your mom was also an athlete. Well, from the front, for a foundation, I would say it instilled in my competitive edge in me, uh, being that I was a girl, you know, and growing up around brothers, which is what I call all my brothers' teammates, and those were all my brothers uh, because they used to just stay with us all summer. So I was always around a bunch of boys, so I always had to basically up my level of physical capabilities when I was around them, whether it be wrestling or we like swimming or playing catch. You know, they threw the ball hard. I had to throw the ball harder. You know, they – hit me I gotta hit them back harder so it was like I always wanted to be around them so with that I had to be tougher I had to be stronger and smarter sometimes that's interesting we just had a very similar conversation with Kelsey Mitchell who um, she said she actually was disguised as a boy to play on the boys team like her mom gave her the straight backs and they were like okay go over here (laughs) you know Um, so she played very early on with the boys and Take me back to, you know, as your dad was playing, you know, when you were visiting different arenas and just that experience for you um, as part of the Major League Baseball scene. Well, I was always pretty young when we were traveling, um, but the cities were always beautiful. The experiences were always special. You know, looking back, understanding that my dad was a professional athlete and being on that tier of, you know, uh, individuals, you get access to more than, obviously, if you were not a professional athlete. So uh, just being in the, being able to be around the players' children, 
um, you know, even now we get Christmas cards, you know, wedding <laughs> invites from, you know, the Ripkins and, you know, the the Sosas and all of them. And it's just like, it's very cool um, to have had the access and to have be able to forge those friendships uh, with those individuals while also traveling to such great cities. And, and I never really liked to watch my dad play, honestly. <laughs> so I would just sit, stay in the children's room with all the kids and play what we would all just play with each other basically and just kick it yep just kick it all right so let's talk diamond because i remember i'm in my mind thinking about the first time i saw you play and i remember where i was i think i might have been in swanee and you were playing aau and you did something and i was like oh my god like she just touched glass and didn't even put effort into it like your athleticism and your explosiveness really caught my eye right away how did you in addition to playing with with boys on the court in terms of your basketball skill how did you learn to do some of the things you do out there um I just never had anybody tell me that I couldn't you know it's like being growing up I was like a wild child that's what my mom used to call me so I would do things like drag the trampoline underneath the rim and like do flips and dunk the ball and like I would just do crazy stuff and so when I got to play basketball it was kind of like at first like I'm just gonna do crazy stuff while I'm out here and then you know later on developing my skill set you know kind of allowed me to tone it down a little bit to where I am at this point now where it's like more of a skillful athletic player I guess but at first it was kind of just like just letting my hair down, letting loose, and just being faster. Like, I knew there was no girl who was faster than me, who could jump higher than me, could do anything better than me. So that was, like, my goal. See how many times I could steal the ball, see how many times I could block, you know, how many blocks I could get. And it was fun for me. I love that. And I can still see that same level of confidence in the way you play the game. So let's talk about your journey. So obviously you started at North Carolina um, now at Tennessee, when you reflect on the time you've had so far in terms of your college basketball experience, how would you describe that journey to this point? Well, oh, it's been challenging, um, but I'm also very blessed. So you always come to college. You always want to win a championship, at least one. And, you know, for I have no rings. Um, so still having that goal for me, it's like, I, I think about, I talk to Stewie all the time, like, you know, like, how are you able to, after you won one, after you won two, you know, it's like, I have yet to win one, so it's still something that I'm striving for, it's still something that I want really bad, so for me, college has been challenging, it's been a blessing, it's been a huge learning experience for me, and college is it's still something that I'm experiencing. So with that being said, it's like, it's still just wide open for me. I feel like now how long you'll continue to experience it. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Um, so <laughs> I know that, you know, you had some injury issues last year and then you really hit your spurt in the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, and you just seem to transform altogether some in terms of just your comfort level, which is to be expected. What was that journey like for you kind of when you guys had some early struggles, but then you end the season on a high note, both 
for you as an individual, but also as a team? Well, my struggles, I, I truly believe my struggles came when I was trying to fit in and uh, just trying to kind of suppress myself to fit into my new teammates and this new role that I had just assumed I had as a just a player on the team when I was I, I knew later on in the season it was kind of like no I have to I have to be this player that you know maybe I hadn't been in a long time mm. so it was like either you you be this player or we might not win you know mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like the pressure got put on me to it's like what you gonna do basically my coaches what you gonna do because we need you to do this and so I think that's kind of what allowed me to transform, as you would say, into that player that you saw later on in the season. Because you felt like you were more aggressive or you just turned more into yourself and who yeah, you I just used was, to be? I just, just forgot about, you know, whatever I was feeling, mm-hmm. just let it all go and just wipe the slate clean and kind of just like, you know, like. Snap it, snap out of it. Yeah, basically, like wake up. Yeah, yeah. So as we look at this year's team and how things are coming together, because you do have that goal of winning a championship. Um, how have practices been? You know, how are things going? Obviously, with some new pieces, but some some old pieces. You've got you know Mercedes, and so so how is the new look coming together? Well, it's definitely new because, for one, which is like the focal point, is that we don't have you know, a full roster. Right. So with that being said, we've got nine and, you know, one or two of which may be hurt on any given day. So seven, maybe. So you're doing double reps. Yeah. So you're trying so, to catch your breath. So everybody, <laughs> so everybody's doing more. And, you know, we've embraced that about this team, mm-hmm. about how that's going to be a factor of this season, um, not letting that hold us back from anything. So practices have still been hard. Practices have still been intense. You know, we're trying to do practice more efficiently now as opposed mm-hmm. to having those long, drawn-out practices because we don't have, you know, we are doing every rep, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like, y'all, we got to have, we got to bring it today so we can go home. Like, so, right. like, don't play with Holly because we're going to be here all day if we <laughs> if we do. So okay. just Really doing things for each other. Mm-hmm. Like if, if if one of my teammates come in, it's like I know they they foot is bothering them or something. It's like, yeah, I'm like we gotta practice harder mm-hmm. so that she can go get treatment. So I think it's it's showing us and teaching us, you know, teamwork and and accountability and everybody doing their part each and every day. Mm-hmm. Take it. Take the shift off the court for a minute. I know that you've done some work with the NCAA with the governance process. I'm just curious because I thought that was very interesting that you maybe have some insight on legislation. You get to give your opinion on um, some of those things. What has that been like for you to be a part of that from a leadership standpoint? Well, it's definitely been it's been a different experience for me because uh, I'm always like laid back and relaxed and just trying to just just have a good time. And then it's like, now we're talking about stuff that's going to impact people's lives. Like it's going to change people's lives. Like this is like, let me tighten up real quick and get my mind right so it it allowed me to for one um talk to a different like audience you know i'm used to talking to people behind the scenes like you guys reporters 
But then you talk to the compliance people, you know, behind those scenes and the rules and the stuff we hate. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, kind of accepting that they do care about us, you know, mm-hmm. seeing them for who they are, not what you've heard um, was a different experience for me. But I was also very thankful to have my voice be heard and to have had that platform because it did change my perspective on things and it allowed me to mature uh, with my thought process and see things in action as the years go by, you know, what I had, what I was able to take part in, seeing the stuff be implemented. I think it was just, it was just really cool for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I was thinking about that as a student athlete because I remember when I graduated and I played in the ACC, my first time visiting the ACC office, I was like, this is all the people that work here. Like, you know, as a student athlete, you have this vision of like all these people Mm -hmm. and what you think happens behind the scenes. So you never really know. Yeah. Yeah. You never, never really know. So I was curious and you're a great representative and someone to do that. So let's talk about um, the WNBA. Obviously you are eligible if you decide to um, leave and go pro after this season. Have you thought about it? Is it under consideration? Have you made a decision? Where are you with it? I mean, I've like obviously you think about it just like briefly when they talk about it. It's like, oh, you projected this and that. And, oh yeah, because you're projected to go uh, first. I'm just like, are you put that out? Are here. you going to <laughs> San Antonio? And it's like, you know, you can't help but think about it when you get asked. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no, not really, because I'm so committed and focused on winning at Tennessee and maintaining and uplifting the program and being a player. That's what I want to be remembered as, you know, like we talk about Asia and how she's been a part of building up that South Carolina team and, and, and all that she's done with coach Staley. And it's like, I want to be for Tennessee kind of like the equivalent of Asia Wilson, mm-hmm. basically. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to be impactful for this program and hopefully bring, you know, the ninth championship to, to Knoxville. And I think that, and that's all I really think about, mm-hmm. you know, and, and knowing that if I play to the best of my abilities, if I play to the best of my abilities, there's no player better than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say that because that's what I know to be true. So what's wrong with saying that? Nothing. So, so I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doubting my, if I, if I want to go to the WNBA after playing the best basketball in my life, cool. If I don't, Cool. You know, I'm going to yeah. keep playing great basketball, whether it be here, whether it be somewhere else. And uh, But right now I'm just focused on doing it in Knoxville, and that's really all I think about. Well, speaking of impactful, you know, obviously it's been a little bit of a rough stretch for the Lady Ball family after losing Coach Pat Summit. Um, what was, was her impact on you, whether it was close, afar, no matter where that was or how that was for you, what was that impact? Well, she was – she was the reason why, you know, I wanted to pursue basketball. Uh, simple as that. If it wasn't no pad, it wouldn't be done. Like, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. So, I mean, that's really it. You know, I didn't really get a chance to build, like, a tight relationship with her. I, I spoke to her, you know, multiple times, got to spend time with her, um, you know, got to know Pat, you know, before – the sickness and everything. So that was a blessing in itself. Um, but it's just as simple as if it, if she hadn't coached, if she hadn't done what she done, then I probably wouldn't be wearing orange. I wouldn't be wearing orange right now. Yeah. So, and it's just as simple. And I know she's done more 
for many other people. So just having had had her grace my life in the small way that she has has shaped me, helped shape me, basically. So, Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think I speak for all of us. I know I've been impacted by what Pat Summit did as a coach, who she was as a person. Um, and even the fact that I work in women's basketball now right. has a lot to do with her. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for spending some time thank with us, you. Diamond. No problem. Yes. I love your confidence. And uh, tell Holly and the crew I said hi. All right. I Sound will. good? All, All right. right. Fans, we want to thank you so much for tuning into the show. Again, I want to thank Kara Lawson, Tamika Catchings, Kim Mulkey, and Diamond DeShields for their time. And, you know, again, what can you say about Pat Summit's legacy what she meant to the game of women's basketball, what she meant to the world. And we just, I think we could all hope that we would carry some part of what Pat was into our lives, into who we are every day, into what we give the world. So um, hopefully this podcast gave you some thoughts and ideas on how you can continue to do that. Once again, please support the Pat Summit Foundation. Um, much needed support. That's patsummit.org to check out all that they are doing. I want to thank my producer, Tarika Foster Brasby, for all of her work. She's awesome as always. And make sure you communicate with us on social media. Hashtag around the rim. And you can find me at LaChina Robinson. And Tarika Foster Brasby is at SheKnowsSports underscore. So, Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on the ESPN app, iTunes, leave your ratings, your comments, reviews, whatever suits your fancy. We just want to hear from you. Thanks again for tuning in to Around the Rim. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.